Hello everyone, you are listening to Express Yourself with your hosts Cindy and Sika. Today we are talking about um, one of the books we've read recently called House of Stone by Novuyo Rosa Schumer. Um, so before we begin, we would first like to do our section called Reality Check, where we just reflect on the past week and any new updates. So Sika, how's your week been? Um, what did I do last week? <laughs> I remember it's my driving lesson. Oh, okay, how was <laughs> that? Was that? Day. It was okay, it was okay. Mm-hmm. I've got my test booked and it's approaching soon. I'm getting more and more nervous. Ooh, good luck. Yeah, I need it, I need it. Um, yeah, no, I think you'll be fine. You think? Yeah, I think so, definitely. You have too much faith in me. No, you'll definitely be fine. You'll definitely be fine. Um, but yeah, other than that, it really was just work. Mm-hmm. Um, reading, I started reading uh, some of the books that you gave to me as well. So, Oh, what did uh, you start reading? The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Oh, okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah, mm. yeah. Okay. I'll probably summarise like my thoughts on it like towards the end, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Hmm, interesting. Um, did you do anything interesting on the weekend? Um, no, uh, I went down to IKEA. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice yeah. Oh my god, I just couldn't help myself. I was like, what else could I possibly do? Oh, IKEA. That was on Sunday. So yeah, that's probably like the highlight of my week. What did you do? Nice. Um, didn't do much as well, to be honest. Um, yeah. yeah, just mostly work during the week. Um. I finished reading A Certain Hunger by Chelsea G. Summers, which was good. And I'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started reading a new book. Um, yeah, not much. Spent it mostly with my family. Yeah. Um, my boyfriend came over and stayed around for a few days. And I've been teaching him how to ride a bike because he doesn't know how to ride a bike. So oh, that was interesting. That's so cute. Yeah. And he fell into the bushes at one point and it was like... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and it was raining all throughout but we just plowed pushed through and we just practiced we will talk a little bit about Novuyo Rosa Schumer so mm-hmm. um she was born in 1988 in Blawayo, Zimbabwe um, which is funnily enough the same place where we were both born right yeah yeah, yeah I think we were born in the same hospital as well weren't we I think so, yeah. Yeah. But, There's only um, two yes. main hospitals that people are usually born in, in Bulawayo as well, yeah? <laughs> that's true, that's true. There's um, one in 50, one in two chances that we're both born at the same hospital. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so um, she graduated from Wits University in South Africa, um, and she has won multiple awards and prizes for her work. Um, she's been shortlisted and long- longlisted for multiple prizes. In 2019, she was the winner of the Edward Stanford Travel Writing for Fiction. And in 2019, she also won the Bluayo Arts Awards for Fiction. And she is also a professor of creative writing at the moment. Um, but yeah, so it's all about Novuyo Rosa Schumer. Yeah. Um, so shall we move on to the plot summary of the book? Yeah. So mm-hmm. her most well-renowned piece of work is House of Stone. So House of Stone basically is based around four main characters. Um, you've got uh, Abednego, Agnes, and Bukosi, who comprise of the Mlambo family. And um, the book is written from the point of view uh, of Zamani, who is the lodger of the Mlambos. And the, in the whole book, well, in the book, basically, um, Abednego and Agnes's son, Bukosi, goes missing. So the whole book is exploring them sort of the, 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 the traumas around the family, really, and exploring House of Stone itself is apparently in Shona, in Zim, which means House of Stone. Yeah. The, I think House of Stone is of Zimbabwe, they meant Great Zimbabwe, Kami ruins just outside Bulawayo as well, that are made of the same stone, yeah. Okay, yeah, I thought it alluded to um, Great Zimbabwe, but I wasn't yeah. sure if I was just making up that connection. Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's House of Stone. So it's sort of like exploring it's political fiction, exploring the journey from Rhodesia to Zimbabwe and all the turmoil that happens after the formation of mm-hmm. Zimbabwe and how it affects them Lambos and Zamani as well. 
What did you like best about this novel? I love the fact that it was set at home. Mm -hmm. Like I, even though like the book was so old, like I know places have changed, street names were renamed, like from yeah, obviously colonial English names to like local whatever mm -hmm. names. Um, but yeah, it's, it was just so easy to read. But also mm. the story is just so peculiar. Like I, I was so hooked. Yeah, so it was. It literally <laughs> just draws you in from the beginning. Like, there's like no time to feel like, mm, I'm not sure how I feel about this. It just sucks you right in. Yeah, yeah, it was it's so fast yeah. paced. I love that. Yeah, yeah, I really like that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really like the fact that the book brought a lot of like lost narratives and histories that we don't really care about. And how usually when people talk about, um, I don't know, events, they just, they usually don't talk about the individuals behind the events or like the smaller scale. So I really liked that. Yeah. And I also really liked how every time I thought I knew what was happening in the book, there would be some massive plot twist <laughs> or a shift somehow. And I would be, there'll be an unexpected turn and it was so surprising, but yeah. it made it really thrilling and feel really fast paced. And yeah, I guess maybe it's just trying to give us a little bit of a sense of how it must have been to live in that environment and in that time period where you don't yeah. know what's going to happen like things can turn immediately and it did for people so we kind of yeah. get that sense through the way in which she's written the book as well yeah it's really interesting and also I think um because there's 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 the um a it's not even a controversial history there's a denial of certain yeah. forms of history in Zim which yeah, to this day have not been acknowledged yet. And I really yeah. like the fact that it's really brought the history into the book in such a detailed way. Yeah, um, and she was literally no apologies, so yeah. stark. She was just so brutal with anything, just completely honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I do think it's one of those things that, like, it's highly unlikely that there'll ever be any acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. And that this is where we will get to learn about all that kind of stuff, because people will never talk about it as well. Yeah, it's true. Like for me personally, I didn't know any, honestly, I yeah. did not know anything about this until I read this book. But then it like, makes sense though, because you didn't grow up in Zim though, did you? I didn't grow up in Zim, but I have family there. I have family here. No yeah. one talks yeah. about it. All I know is some type of, all I used to know was some type of like, tribal tensions animosity. Between, yeah animosity which was never fully explained yeah and I just didn't really understand I just thought it wasn't as bad as it really was so it was yeah. just shocking that I learned about this when I was like 21 which is very recent I should have yeah. learned about it a lot younger yeah. yeah yeah even for me I grew up in Zim as well like I know mm. never to ask people about that really? time. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, because I feel like for some people it opens wounds. Mm. I'm glad that this kind of like fiction exists to sort of like fill in my own curiosity in a way mm -hmm. and give a bit of context because I feel like we can judge our parents quite a bit as well. People like, oh, you're being resentful. You're being like, oh, it's same as discrimination. But like, there's a lot of context behind that and animosity as well. It didn't mm -hmm. just happen in a vacuum. So, yeah, I it's think true. that's what the book did for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why. I didn't know that um, people were still so affected by it because, like, everything is so, like, hidden and, like, covert. Yeah. In terms of how Zim people talk about the past. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, what did you think about the writing style? Um, I really liked her writing style, but I've always wondered, yeah, because she writes in, in English. That's what she was writing yes. in sometimes. <laughs> she was mixing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Ndebele. she was. I, for the first time, I saw in Devele words that I didn't realize, like, I, I'd never seen the words written down. Because yeah, you, you've heard I, them from your parents, but you've never yeah, exactly. seen them. I've yeah. never seen them written down. So for, to see it written down and little expressions yeah. written down, I was just, it was just so, I just, it was really interesting. And I really picked <laughs> up a lot. Like um, when I read that book um, by the, the Kite Runner, he yeah. like inputs bits of words as well yeah. of the language that they speak in Afghanistan. Yeah. And I found that really interesting and I picked up a few words from there. So yeah, yeah I really like that. Yeah. 
It's the same as in um, an orchestra of minorities when you do get around to reading it. Uh, Chigozi mm-hmm. writes in pidgin as well. Oh, really? He mixes, yeah, he mixes a bit of like Igbo words, like he'll say a sentence in Igbo and stuff like that. But I, that's oh, the okay. thing, like I, I liked the fact that like she was bringing those little words. But then I was also interested to say, okay, for someone who doesn't, who has no idea about mm-hmm. what uh, Ndebele is like, how do they engage with the book? Oh yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's true. I guess maybe they would be quite used to it because if you've read a lot of other African authors, like you said, yeah. they usually do incorporate some of the, I don't know, the regional languages in there. So yeah, yeah, yeah and that's how people speak. Way. I think that's how she gave life to the characters. Because yeah, if it was all just true. plain English prose, I don't think it would have been as striking. You know, when Mama Agnes said something. Yeah, it's true. Same, yeah. But that's something you could also Google and it, the translation would be there. It wouldn't be hard to find. Also true. Also yeah, true. and also it's true. That's how people do speak in in um in Zim. People do mix words quite yeah. regularly. So yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, even yeah. I, I don't think it's even just Africans that mix. Anyone whose language first language isn't English, English will mix true. English with whatever language they speak. <laughs> it's true. That's very true. Sometimes even for me, like if my uh, my my back, my lower back hip area is hurting, I yeah. think about it in Debele first, not in English. It's so weird. It's just like a few phrases that I'm just like. <laughs> It sounds and it feels more like real if I say if I think it in this language, not in English. So you know, I think it's because um, the language in general. I I feel like Southern African languages are very good at like describing sound effects. Oh Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because you know, like woodpecker is crocodiles. That sounds like knocking. Even motorbike. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I don't know how much this means to anyone else listening, but yeah. I'm, I'm At least sure we're giving translations, yeah? Yeah, yeah. To give yeah. context. But yeah, that's the thing. I think maybe that's why you think of it first in Cinderella before you yeah. like... Maybe, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's because I think it's onomatopoeia in English for those type yeah. of words. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Oh, you just took me back to my English lesson. <laughs> I still remember a lot of stuff from primary school, so. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, we need to declutter your brain, friend. Yeah, I really need it to be decluttered. <laughs> um, one of the things I really liked about the writing style was the use of hi- history and how she hyphenates history. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, I really liked the use of that because it really helped to like, I don't know, really portray how and allude to how fragmented and troubled the history was yeah. like the country's yeah. history but also um Abegnego's um personal history and Mama yeah. Agnes's history and how Samani feels about his own history so it really yeah. shows that fragmentation I, at first I was really confused at why she did that but when I got to the end of the book I was like okay I of get course. why she did that yeah yeah, yeah I found it really an- yeah. I, I was like you to be fair like I found it annoying that she was hyphenating but I was like is this we don't actually say history in a, you know in a weird way or anything is she trying to allude to that but then yeah. at the end like when you see the characters they're all broken yeah exactly Every single yeah one of they- them everything yeah. and Zimbabwe's history is broken too so yeah yeah, yeah. so it's quite interesting but it also it also reinforces that word that idea that it's individual people's stories like there's yeah. one story but connected to loads of other stories too yeah so I found that quite yeah. interesting um I also really liked how she uses um she manages to tell a broad history through personal narratives mm. and she doesn't talk about okay what happened in independence and then the journey through history she uses personal narratives to to put the history in within it so you yeah. learn about these individuals but also the history behind it yeah. and I feel like that's a really interesting way to um portray history obviously other people have done that as well and it's quite a common method but yeah. I really enjoyed that and I think I, yeah go on sorry no, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say that. I think also it's nice what you've just said because, like, the narratives around history, like, take for instance, like, South Africa next door, mm-hmm. you get this narrative, like, it, it's so Mandela centric that you don't get to, like, see any other perspective if you're an outsider. And I feel like if you had more stories like that, you'd get to mm-hmm. see, like, what, like, the 
everyday life, the struggle for like the ordinary South African who didn't get to be the face of the struggle, but there were people who were on the ground as well. They were like uh, school kids that were getting shot and stuff like that. that. That doesn't get talked about enough. Maybe in South Africa it does, but like on the world stage, people get like this Mandela-lized um, it's true. History. Yeah. 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 And that yeah. has, I don't know if that, that's happened with Zim or not, but like, I like the way mm-hmm. it shows that people, ordinary people on the ground as well. Yeah. 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 I think I think it's just because maybe in the West people like to focus on individuals and just the whole larger narrative rather than oh, focusing okay. on the smaller yeah. scale because they probably just don't find it interesting and they don't want to put it into the news cycle. They just yeah. don't care as much. Yeah, yeah, like even now I can think, okay, maybe the only other person in South Africa whose stories we know a lot of in the West is probably Trevor Noah's. <laughs> even Trevor then, Noah. like that's so yeah. limited, so narrow of a view of what it was to live like in yeah. apartheid South Africa so yeah. yeah I think it's definitely a problem with how the West understands African history and how they portray it in the news as well yeah definitely definitely yeah um yeah but I also really enjoyed the wordplay and how she used like really absurd plot lines and they acted like as comic relief because <laughs> some of the some of the plots were really quite funny yeah but it gave us like some <laughs> catharsis and time to just yeah to just take a break as a reader from all the trauma and everything and just it was really interesting I really liked that see on the contrary I think that just wasn't enough like she needed to add a bit more like light-hearted things in the middle I don't know something because oh my god like yeah. I would just like put the book aside and just breathe because <laughs> I was taking yeah. in too much yeah and I, I don't know if I'm emotionally weak or anything but there was just too much going on <laughs> yeah literally this leads to what I was going to ask you what were your feelings that you felt during this book like what feelings did this book evoke for you and yeah like you said like just such a visceral experience yeah yeah, yeah. it's very intense I like you have to put it down at some point and just leave it for a while and then come back to it yeah yeah um yeah I remember just at, at certain points like the way she describes things there's a part where um is it when when he he uh describes Abednego's then wife Tandy and child burning mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes on to rape oh, his yeah. dad's yeah. wife. Yeah, yeah, his stepmother. Oh God, his stepmother. Yeah. yeah, and and the fact that the little boy had to. Oh, I remember I messaged you. I was so heartbroken. <laughs> I was so heartbroken. I was confused. I just didn't know yeah. what to do with myself. It was just such a weird. Especially like I, yeah, I, I think I, I was. I thought I was strong as well, but when I read. The cutting open of her stomach. Oh my, oh my god. god, yeah. That took me out. I was like, oh, I was not ready for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe uh because I was taking breaks, like go back and understand and be like, is this things that she made up and stuff like that? But then you understand that she did a lot of research mm-hmm. with people on the ground to actually yeah. write those stories. Yeah. She may have like tweaked some mm-hmm. for fi- for fictions sake yeah um but she got that from people's stories and that's what that's when I was like oh my god like that cut me deep exactly it's so harrowing like I remember there was one point where she describes a barn full of screaming children being set alight yeah oh my gosh the image of that was just so too much yeah yeah (laughs) it was was unbearable yeah the level of violence that the characters endured and saw around them was just incredible and you always like and I don't I don't even want to think that these stories are fictionalized because during war horrible things happen yeah yeah like people commit some unspeakable acts of violence so I wouldn't be surprised if this stuff happens and has happened frequently in many wars throughout history yeah fortunately yeah 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 it's such a crazy so it's, it's, there's just too much momentum as well in those things because yeah. I, I always go back to like this scene with like Tandy's mom oh mm-hmm. sorry Tandy and and the, the, the fetus and stuff because it's like yeah. Abednego is traumatized in that moment and he goes on to commit another traumatic yeah. uh, act after that mm-hmm. you don't really get a sense of him being a violent person prior to that no. he was always honest. so soft and so sweet and lovely yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think I think that's what broke him. 
I think so too. And also it was supposed to be like a time period where they were really settling down and living yeah. together. Like he was building the heart for his family. Yeah. He was excited. And my goodness. Yeah. I can understand that you just break completely. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't gosh. have a moral compass after that. No, no, he didn't. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even just remember it now, it's just like oof. Too much. Um, what do you think was the most traumatic scene for you? Apart from maybe prob- the, the the most traumatic scene, probably the one with Tandy that really like stuck in my head. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Um, that was so shocking. Yeah. But yeah. Um. What did okay? What did you least like about the book? Um. I think I didn't like the fact that like every single character in the book was just broken. No, that's that's what makes it real. Yeah, but I feel like they should at least have been one. You know, like the the the, the neighbor used to come when Mama Ignis was getting beaten, right? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she had to be that person that was going around and spreading rumors on the other hand as well. <laughs> yeah, but that's what your next door neighbor does. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. Okay, the only, her money the only was good... broken. In the most, oh, Zamani is just. He's, the money he, is just. We'll talk about. Let's talk about Zamani afterwards. Yeah, because he needs okay. a whole episode on his own. Yeah. He does. He does. I was gonna say, um, maybe the only good person was Tandy. She didn't do anything bad to anyone. The whole yeah. Book. yeah, 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 yeah. And the fact that she dies as well is quite tragic. Yeah. Um, I think for me, one of the things I didn't really like about the book was that it got to a point where there was too many plot twists and like halfway through the book, I started to predict, I kind of started to get myself ready for yeah. each plot twist because I started getting used to, okay, every time I think something, it just flips. So oh, I started okay. getting, it must I, be the opposite my, I think. Exactly. So subconsciously in my brain, I was preparing myself for the next turn or twist and kind of predicting it. And sometimes, once I think I did predict it right. Yeah. And after a while it kind of diminishes the effects of the surprise like okay so it just makes it fall a little flat or a little exaggerated as well I felt like some bits got a bit too like okay like because she had used so many plot twists all the time and it felt kind of dizzying as well okay yeah yeah. I see what you mean I see what you mean but because I like reading mystery and legal thrillers I think for Mm -hmm. me that's where the thrill was to guess because like when I was reading they don't explicitly Mm -hmm. say that Bama Thornton is Abednego's dad yeah um we forgot to say as well like spoilers there's a lot of spoilers here (laughs) it's fine we'll put it at the start (laughs) put it at the start in the show notes (laughs) um so yeah so what was I saying um so yeah Abednego's dad was Farmer Thornton. I feel like I got the sense of that quite quickly. And I just couldn't wait for it to get confirmed like later on. And then when he was raping his stepmom, I was like, "Hmm, maybe, maybe he isn't. But like, if you read that, oh my God. And when it came out, I was like, oh, really? (laughs) Really? Oh my Mm -hmm. God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was so sad, annoying, made me angry. Maybe that's what she wanted us to be. I don't know maybe maybe yeah yeah oh it made my stomach turn even now thinking about it just makes my stomach turn Mm, but do you think that's a fault do you think that's a fault of her writing or the book in general I think that's good because she gives you a real reaction real feelings about something so I don't think it's it takes it diminishes from the book at all even though the feelings are so negative that's true yeah yeah I I suppose to be fair that is um nothing to do with the writing style um, yeah so I do yeah, agree about go. the plot twist thing like it, it can be like a little bit exaggerated in some points as well yeah mm. it felt a bit like okay is it this is a bit too far now <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> it's too so, bad to be true <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's talk about the individual characters what did you think about Zamani I don't even know where to begin with him yeah same okay so just to summarize for our listeners Zamani is the lodger of for at um, Agnes and Abednego's house. He fantasizes about having Abednego and Agnes as his parents. Mm-hmm. 
But the more you read, yeah, there's that one scene. Uh, his uncle used to own the house that the Lambos live in. But Abednego went to do nursing or something in the UK. He came back and he found the house was sold to the Lambos, so he couldn't have the house. But he ended up renting the room. And there's this scene in the book where his uncle is dying on his deathbed. He was like 12 or 13, mm-hmm. I can't remember. He was really mm-hmm. young. And he's never known any other family. The only family he has is Uncle Fanny. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I, I really disliked him because he's very manipulative. Um, yeah, he is very manipulative. Yeah. Very subtle with his manipulation as well. Yeah, he was basically giving yeah. his, 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 his Abednego, the guy he's fantasizing to be his dad, um, mm-hmm. a drug, I suppose, called Umufimbo. Mm-hmm. And he's basically feeding him it to calm him down, to stop him, stop him from sort of like attacking him, right? Yeah. Yeah, which I found really peculiar. But, you know, in a really dark way, I have to say, I used to like want him to manipulate him more because obviously he was feeling the story. <laughs> okay, go. Johnny will say that. I know you were too. Watch out for Seeker, guys. <laughs> no, I didn't think that at all. I never thought that. That's the thing, like, because obviously if he wasn't manipulating, even Mama Agnes, when he gets to a point where she's trying to get her to open up, obviously mm-hmm. you're like, oh my God, like, he used to wish, like, Mama Agnes to, like, uh, to, to provoke Abednego, sort of, like, want to beat Mama Agnes so she, he can yeah. come and save her. That was a bit dark. Yeah. Even he yeah, himself. Like, he is, yeah. yeah. So Manny was literally a psychopath, like, honestly. He was yeah. so two-faced, so, so stealthy and and yeah. but also really charming and insecure. Yeah. And I, I, even though he was so problematic and he would go really far with force and using fear against people, and, he was yeah, so and, ins- and, and blackmailing people. He blackmailed exactly. and also yeah. the really shady the, one. The pastor. Yeah, Ruben, Pastor Ruben or something. <laughs> that scene with Mama Agnes and him made me laugh so <laughs> much. I really enjoyed that whole story arc for her <laughs> entertained me so much because I could Im- imagine Mama Agnes as some auntie that I would just see and think oh she's so godly she's just you know pure woman I can re- I really got a sense of who she was yeah and then to find out all the, like, to- she wrote her so well up to the point where her history starts coming out here <laughs> Yeah, and that's when now I even look at all these other like, aunties. I'm like, mm, you have some things you Shady. did in the past. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I found that really interesting. But um, yeah. yeah, like, even though Zamani is such a problematic character, yeah, I really understood how vulnerable and insecure he felt and how he really needed to understand himself and yeah. the sense, the extent of his loss of identity. Like, yeah, I could I could relate to that. So I, I felt like... And also, like... Then, yeah. yeah, but back to that scene where his uncle's on his deathbed, or like um, when his uncle was still sick. Yeah. There's a part where he says, um, when he's trying to get his uncle to like open up a bit more about who his mom is, um, yeah. why he doesn't have extended family. Because also, like, you have to think, like, in African families, it's not just a nuclear family that exists, there's like arms and arms and arms of cousins and extended family. And for him to not have that, and for mm-hmm. Uncle Fanny, on his deathbed to say to him it's just me and you my boy that like mm-hmm. really hit me I was like okay of course mm-hmm. Zamani would be like this he'd yeah, be this exactly. broken he doesn't have he doesn't yeah. know his mom he doesn't know his dad he just yeah. knows Uncle Fanny and that's it yeah exactly. and Uncle Fanny had his own post like PTSD and yeah. he was dealing with that and he's trying to understand why is Uncle Fanny like this and also not telling me about exactly like, and he didn't history. Yeah. exactly and the fact that like he was saved at birth so yeah. of course he'd be broken he's he, he'd be so complex yeah definitely he'd be so complex yeah but he's yeah. also really crazy because when i read the his involvement like with Bukosi and stuff i was like mm. no please let it, let it not be true i was suspecting something from the beginning yeah same <sighs> and it's just, it's just the extent he went with his laptop and the phone and everything yeah yeah I wasn't expecting that and how manipulative he is oh my goodness yeah. and how he spread for me what made me laugh was how he spread the pictures <laughs> was he Pastor Ruben yeah <laughs> he was a mastermind though 
<laughs> he was, but he's like that guy kind of deserved it because he was awful as well. Yeah, he technically did rape Mama Agnes when she was younger, though. Yeah, exactly. He was he abused his power. It was awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think out of all the characters, Tandy's probably my favorite, and then it's Mama Agnes, and then it's Zamani. I actually have I I really struggled to find sympathy for Ab Abed. Abed Nico. I, I struggled to find some. Like I understand his trauma, but. At some points, that man really irritated me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. He took his drama out on Mama Agnes. Yeah, uh, he did. I think, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. He was so awful to her. Like, when they first got married, he was all nice yeah. and sweet. And then it just got worse and worse. <gasps> he wasn't even that nice. Like, he used to tease. I remember there's that scene yeah, when... So he, he didn't even know English and stuff, right? How to eat with a fork and knife. He took her to the Sun yeah. Hotel, which mm. was sort of like Tandy's area, right? He wasn't um, yeah. Agnes's so basically he wanted i think he was looking to turn mama agnes into tandy because tandy tandy was probably the, the love of his life right who died suddenly with his yes. unborn child and stuff like that and even more peculiar is the fact that he named his son with mama agnes by the same name mm-hmm. as the son who died yeah that yeah. on his own is is quite that's it. I remember asking you, I was like, how, how does the, the, the second book was it come, come, come around? Because, oh, yeah, I remember yeah. that, but I couldn't remember the detail at the time. Yeah, it yeah. was just, it's just weird. Um, but yeah, I struggled to, to like him as well. Like, I struggled yeah. to sort of like feel empathy for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a real hard one to feel, to yeah. feel empathy for. Yeah, definitely. Um. Yeah, I guess there was, yeah, I really liked that though. Everyone was bad in the book in <laughs> their own way. Um, yeah. They were complex. People are complex anyway. Yeah. And he did a good job portraying their complexity and how their environment like turns them the way they've, mm-hmm. they've turned out, right? Yeah, that's very true. That's very yeah. true. Yeah. Um, is there. Um, what did what new things did you learn from this book? Did you learn anything new? Um, oh, actually, um, before I answer that question, the other thing that I really liked um, was the fact that she brought in the koi. Um, oh yeah. Into yeah, because I feel like Zim as a country right now has a population of about two thousand uh, koi San people. Oh. I think they're the minority people you know how undeveloped people always complain about being a minority try being a koi a koisan person yeah that's Mm -hmm. a real minority um Mm -hmm. and like the culture is in danger and stuff like that and they can't move around because of borders as well so Mm -hmm. i felt like i really like the fact that she brought in the koisan woman who raised his eldest Mm -hmm. son first Mm -hmm. um so like shed some light on the community a little bit you know yeah, because yeah, because those are the people that get forgotten about. Um, but back to the question, um, did I learn anything new? Um, I guess about the involvement on the ground of people in the struggle. That's mm-hmm. something that you you rarely hear about. Um, like the scenes where Tandy, when when Abednego basically first meets Tandy and they go to the Sun Hotel protesting the color bar and stuff mm. like that yeah um yeah and i and i i um i i i think it made me understand a little bit more about how problematic or how it made me understand why people get annoyed when Rhodesians they say talk about how they miss Rhodesia and stuff like that you know it's yeah. it's it's a slap in the face it's a slap in the face yeah 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 because I went back and I started reading about the color bar in in, Mm -hmm. in, in, because a lot of times in it's made to sound as if Rhodesia was the better um colonial um country but it was better for white people at the time it wasn't better for black people and you can sort of like get lost in narrative of like thinking it was much better than other places but it wasn't it wasn't Mm -hmm. so I started going back and researching like the color bar Mm-hmm. There were curfews and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And from my mom's narration as well, they couldn't like visit any willy-nilly, like your parent and anything like that. Yeah. You had to like apply yeah. for a permit. Sometimes you get declined and stuff like that. It was horrible. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it was eye-opening in that sense for me. Um 
What yeah, else I remember. I... Um, I remember there was a detail where I think one of the characters was living in the countryside, and they felt really stuck in the countryside. It was Tandy. They couldn't. Yeah, and they really couldn't wait to get to the city. Yeah, yeah, it was Tandy. Tandy yeah. was always this. She, she thought she, she, she kept on referencing Angela Davis. Do you remember? Yeah, she did. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they kept on referring to the countryside as this bond, which I you know, yeah. that was a new word for me as well. I didn't know yeah, that same. word. <laughs> I didn't know that word as well. Yeah, maybe it's like um, I don't know, time. A slang. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, apparently, Zim had a a, a pigeon equivalent. Oh really? Uh, yeah, which was called this lava lava or something like that. I don't know what my 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 dad called it. Um, so yeah, it, we had our version of pigeon. Okay. Any anymore? So maybe that word came from that our broken English <laughs> at the time. Yeah. 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 Um, um, what did you learn? Um, just probably all the same stuff that you said, really. Yeah. Um, I think you said it all. Um, another thing that I learned was this is kind of more overarching, but like how nations are built from violence. There's no Ooh, such thing yeah. as a peaceful revolution. Like no. it's so scary yeah and how like after colonialism and independence like people would turn on themselves and how the boundaries and the borders and the tribes and all these definitions that were created yeah. by like the western western countries and um colonizers would just further erode and the legacies of colonialism continue yeah. on yeah and take new shapes and new forms and yeah, how there's no such thing as a peaceful revolution. I just made it really yeah. poignant. Yeah. You can't build a nation without violence. Yeah. To and yeah. to be fair, like it takes a long time to build a nation. It does. Like Zim is what? It's 1980 to now. How many years yeah. is that? 43 years? Exactly. That's, That's nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. And And to think that like the infrastructure was made to mm-hmm. exploit the indigenous population and exactly. support the minority white elite right to try and expand that with mm-hmm. zim has 16 official languages right yeah um as it is there's that whole Gugurahundi conflict which was like ethnic based yeah, yeah. um how do you even begin to like which official language do you choose if you were to choose one other than english like how do you exactly. try to make everyone like understand and like mm-hmm. feel build an identity basically exactly yeah. and that's like the whole thing was the money trying to find his identity yeah i guess it's yeah. a reflect us who are the younger generations because we've lived here in the west yeah and we, when we go home we try to find our roots like like Zamani, if we didn't read this book, we will also ask people about Gukrondi and they'll yeah. be like, oh, and we wouldn't know. Like, <laughs> exactly. we're literally in the same position as Zamani. Yeah. Or like, yeah. the fact, I found it so interesting how she uses the word surrogate because it kind of alludes yeah. to the fact that the country as well right now is just a surrogate. It's yeah. not the real Zim. It's, no, it it's isn't. It's a real replacement for yeah. what our country should, what the country should be yeah it's just yeah it's just for the time being it's just a replacement of what it could have been yeah yeah you literally just hit the nail in the head yeah and also the fact that like that's just not the story of zim Mm -hmm. like look at nigeria with the biafran war exactly yeah Um, exactly yeah like nigeria is like 60 something years old and the project of forming nigeria to this day is still happening Exactly. Nationhood is a constant state of building, even in this country, the UK. We think that the UK is a fixed national identity, but it's not because we keep seeing it being played out again and again with border control, border enforcement, ideas of what Britishness is, what you shouldn't critique publicly, what you should, (laughs) who is defined as British. British, exactly. British person from um, a country, uh, your parents are immigrants, but you're born here, you're still not defined as British. Yeah, you're something else British. You can't just be British. Yeah. The idea of Britishness is constantly being redefined and renegotiated. So it's always like nationhood's constantly in flux. And I think maybe if we think about maybe conceptualizing Zim, maybe this is never going to happen, but conceptualizing Zim and African nations is not something that's discrete and in the same ways that can be defined as Western nations and what they're doing. If yeah. we allowed more openness and more flux and flow in between different nations, we would yeah. maybe get more harmony. Because like you said, with the, the Koi, they're, they're where they are because 
they just happened border. to be there on that border. That's yeah. it. That line. Yeah. They were there. And that's it. And the line doesn't that's exist in the first place. Yeah, it's an exactly artificial. It's a made-up line. Exactly, is made up. Yeah. Completely false. But, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's just so much to unpack. It's just too many things to unpack. But also, I think it's diff- more difficult with like um, African nations, um, Asian nations to like form the project of forming a, ca- a country becomes much more difficult because there's one, there's not one common language, like I was saying mm-hmm. before. Like Nigeria has something like 40 different tribes with different languages. There's 2,000 languages on the African continent, I think, something like that, yeah? It's true, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not as easy to formulate mm-hmm. an identity to say, mm-hmm. because who's, who's, if, if you choose one language, okay, they say, okay, let's, let's, let's use Yoruba as our, as our yeah. nation, a national language. The Igbos are going to be like, what the hell do you mean? Like, exactly, what about yeah. us, yeah, in that exactly. way? Because it's like many different people with many different ideas of what life is like being forced exactly. into this thing called a nation. Exactly, so it's just yeah. going to be so much more difficult. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Even even in something as small as this country, the UK is so tiny in comparison yeah. to some of these other countries. But you still got Scotland wanting independence. Exactly. Where Welsh people feeling completely different to the exactly. rest of England. Yeah. Even people in Cornwall feel completely separate, and people in London apparently as well feel completely separate. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And I know that apparently Africa has so many discrete nations because obviously that's where foundations of humanity started. So yeah. a lot more like areas of the regions of the world of Africa had more time to develop. And that's why yeah. there's so many discrete cultures. Yeah. And that's why it's harder for them to blend together. I just think the idea of a nation is just such a strange concept. And I just don't think <laughs> it works. I think the idea of like discrete categorization of regions and areas just doesn't reflect human diversity and fluidity it's like trying to define genders as male and female nothing else anything black and white is never gonna work there's still like intersex people who can't choose either of those categories it's the same with nationality exactly same with sexuality you can't define anything just everything flows in between yeah like i saw like the word caca i saw that it means similar to poo and dirt in so many different languages (laughs) so many like I saw it written really? somewhere and I was like yeah yeah if you just look at what it is what is it not it is it either leads to like poop or dirt or something not to be something gross it usually leads to that in many different cultures I've seen it which is yeah that's yeah. actually really interesting it is yeah yeah the world yeah. is just so big to like decipher it is it is yeah and if anything um I think this book has made me more feel more compassion to like zim in general because i know yeah. we're like in this state where we like to criticize 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 um same goes for let's say south africa for example on the other side like there's always like oh the anc hasn't done anything blah blah yeah. like you don't understand the challenge of like trying to like form a nation it's not that it's, it's not that simple yeah, That's run a country. It's so difficult. Anywhere, everywhere, even the USA. Yeah, Germany, the USA, for example, like the USA is so divided. So divided. Yeah. Everywhere is completely divided. But it's because of like these notions of what country should be a nationhood just really yeah. affect it. Yeah. Even Cuba, like people like to idolize Cuba. It's yeah. like, oh, if they hadn't had like American embargoes, they'd be like somewhere else. But like Cuba yeah. has its own issues inside, yeah, with like race. Exactly. On yeah. its own, yeah. So yeah. there's no perfect nation. It doesn't exist. There is none. But there's some which are better than others. Yes, true. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I'd rather live in some countries than others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I want to I, I wanna like look into Tanzania as well because um, what's this guy's name? The father of Tanzania. What's his name? Oh, Thomas Sankara. No. No, no. Thomas Sankara is a DRC. Yeah, um, it's that man. Oh, I remember his name as Julius well. Nyerere. Yes. Julius Nyerere. Yes. He had, yeah. he, 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 I think he had such a beautiful vision, like a, a, um, a, a nice vision for Tanzania in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like yeah. I, the fact that like he was like, okay, my ideas are not working in Tanzania at the mm-hmm. moment, maybe at some point, but I think Tanzania needs something different now. I think that's mm-hmm. so ad- admirable. It is. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Really so, is. A yeah. lot of those like post-colonial leaders were just 
they were real thinkers and they really thought about what they wanted their nations to be like yeah yeah and some of them especially if they're socialist left leaning yeah julius they were always open to thinking okay yeah this is not working let's try something else yeah Yeah. but back to house of stone we wanted to talk about a bit about one of the main events, historical events in Zimbabwe's history. Yeah. I've also seen that some people have called it Zimbabwe's original sin, mm-hmm. which is an interesting way to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so if you're unfamiliar, as I was beforehand, Bukurahundi was a campaign of terror waged against the Devela De- people in Matabeleland yeah. in Western Zimbabwe. So official statistics say that about 20,000 civilians were killed by Mugabe's 5th Brigade. But this is apparently a very conservative estimate of the true extent of the killings because there was lit- there's, there's been little on-ground surveys and vast areas of the region, region has have been under-researched. Mm. And a lot of people, um, a lot of the witnesses who survived will say that there was a lot more killings than that. And as time has passed a lot of the witnesses have died so it makes yeah. it harder to get a real like accurate historical record of how many people were yeah. were killed during that period yeah um, yeah and no one has been no one has accepted blame for the violence but yeah. recent documents have shown that Mugabe was probably likely to be a, be involved and directly responsible for it mm. or he knew and he didn't take any actions against it and yeah. also what's quite interesting about Kurahundi is that little was done by Western governments. There was very little reaction from the West about it. However, when white farmers were being discriminated against and facing challenges in the 2000s, there was a massive up, very little. Sanctions. Yeah, exactly. There was exactly those. It was massive, but the killings of Black Africans just did not matter at all. What makes it even worse is that. Look, people have tried to deny the history as well within Zimbabwe itself. They've yeah. tried to say that it's a conspiracy of the West. It never happened. I think that's um, the most painful thing to accept, yeah. yeah? That yeah. and the fact that, like, um, some people will never, ever be able to find the remains. In the book, they do explore that as well, like, when Mama yeah. Agnes's brother, her and her brother, tried to go and find, was it their other sibling? That that, um, that, that, that was that killed, yeah, in, in Palakwe. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also uh, Zamani's mm-hmm. mom, yeah, Zamani mm-hmm. was born in Palakwe, but that's where his mom was being killed as well, yeah. Yes, so yeah. It's, it, it's a very difficult um, thing to accept. And, and truly, to be honest, yeah, if I was in that generation, I, I understand the mistrust that people have of the government because if they're refusing to if in any way acknowledge that this thing happened you know I I was watching the news actually um just after finishing reading the book um Mm -hmm. it was like a YouTube clip with Haru Mutasa she's like a famous reporter who does like all the Al Jazeera coverage in southern Africa and she referred to it like as a as a a civil war Mm -hmm. yeah and I was literally just thinking really Al Jazeera is supposed to be one of the better ones. Like, how can you even refer to this as a civil? There was no civil war, yeah? Like, it was people of Matland that were being targeted at the time, yeah? It was calculated, I feel. And the fact that, like... It was one-sided. It was one-sided, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I think it's just a lot of lack of knowledge. And people just assume anything that happens in Africa, any types of conflict and mass killings, is going to be a civil war, not... Yeah. But she's, she's Zimbabwean, though, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. So why why would she refer to it as a civil war? That's the one thing like I don't understand. Was she trying to like cover her back? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. She didn't want too much of an adverse reaction yeah. from Zim. Yeah. yeah. That's true. But the other sad thing though is the fact that like um I think I remember in the last Zim election you had like politicians coming forward and trying to use um the victims of, as as leverage for like yeah, exactly. that I thought was was brutal and mean. Oh. There's no atonement, I suppose. Not even an apology, yeah? You can apologize without yeah. doing anything. We don't care. But, like, at least apologize, and then we can talk about, like, atonement. Exactly. It's just all political posture, and that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you ever read any other books about um, civil war and conflicts in Africa? Because I know I've re- I saw online that some people compared it to Half a Yellow Sun by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Um, she talks about I, the Biafran War as well. 
that's the thing. Um, I was gonna say actually, um, that book made me want to read Half of a Yellow Sun because I know a lot of people um, in Zim do it like as part of their literature cur curriculum, mm -hmm. um, and I've never really been inclined to pick it up. But because like people have reviewed and they always mention Half of a Yellow Sun or they compare it to Half, especially on Amazon as well. Um, yeah. I've, I've sort of like um, decided that maybe that's the next political fiction that I'm gonna read. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely really good. Like, everyone talks about how Americana is their favorite Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. For me, it was half yellow sun. Yellow sun. Okay. I okay. really enjoyed it. Um, it's also kind of similar where they talk where she talks about individual lives, and then the war is kind of more background. Yeah. Uh, I think with half, I don't think you could ever compare the two. They're obviously completely different in nature yeah. and the histories of it. But um, there are some similarities with their the way in which they interrogate the history. Um, also, it's just another like depiction of how harrowing and war life can be. Yeah. Like, yeah. So um, it's it's a good read as well. I think if you're okay. into that type of historical fiction, historical yeah. political fiction, yeah. then it's definitely one to read. It's definitely in the same kind of yeah um, um yeah. things fall apart as well i suppose would be kind of classed as that as well because he uh yeah, he sort yeah. of tries to allude to like pre-colonial pre-colonial two words colonial nigeria yeah. as well yeah. yeah i remember reading that book and it was just i loved it so much the ending for me just it just took me away like i just <laughs> i felt I felt like I grieved for something, for someone. Yeah. I just yeah. couldn't believe how it ended. <laughs> it was just, oh, like, it's, it's still such a good now. Yeah, it's so good. It's such a it's good so book. Sad. Like, yeah. I, I, that's it. I, I, I don't know if you can sell any other book by Chino Achebe to me, like, things fall apart. Like, if you yeah. asked me to buy, like, two copies of that book, I would do it. Yeah, I would, I would do it. Well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've, I've seen some people... Back. I've seen some people critique like why he wrote it in English and why other um, African writers write in English as well. Mm. And I just feel like critiquing them for writing English just defeats the whole purpose of also what they're trying to do. They're yeah. trying to reach a broader audience and get it as far to reach as many people as possible. Yeah. To, to learn about these histories and consume it in a really accessible yeah. way. If you, yeah. if you just write it in one language, you really limit who's going to read that. Yeah. So. At, I think at at least if you're going to critique the language aspect, because I think people that critique that, um, there's Nguki Wationgo as well. He recently oh, yes, wrote, yeah. yeah, he recently wrote, yeah. um, I forgot the name of that book. He recently wrote a book in um, Gikuyu, which is one of the mm -hmm. languages in, in Tanzania. Mm -hmm. um, and he always talks about how the lack of writing in indigenous languages is exactly what's going to make them extinct. Because that's mm -hmm. certainly true. Because the reason why I mentioned the koi is because language, you know, in Zim, there's mm -hmm. this thing in the constitution that says you are free to be taught in the language your mother tongue. So in areas where mm -hmm. there's vendor people, let's say, for example, mm -hmm. in Gwanda, they, yeah. or, Bite, or Bite Bridge, they can be taught in mm -hmm. their mother tongue. In mm -hmm. uh, Harare, where most people speak Shona, you can be taught in Shona. Yeah. If there's Kalanga, you can be taught in Kalanga and stuff like that here. Yeah? Um, that's what's going to stop like the death of language but like there's no yeah. one accommodating the koi in zim because mm -hmm. there's only two thousand of them yeah um mm -hmm. but the koi have so many different languages and because they haven't been written down they haven't been passed down and they're being outnumbered yeah i doubt their languages will survive so mm -hmm. guki wationgo always talks about that the fact that you have to write in mm -hmm. we, we're going to have to write in african language for them to survive which is so a fair point um yeah. Before I, I would have I would have said um, he's not practicing what he's preaching, but of course he's written yeah. so great. Yeah. yeah. Um, at least write in both, like one African language yeah. and the English language, because the English, English language will give you reach. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Someone might come yeah. from like South America, but they might understand English, and you know, like I've got Malaysian friends who learnt in English as well, so it has that yeah. ability to bridge. That's um, true. Yeah. And exchange stories, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It just yeah. makes it hard as well, I guess, to write in the languages, like you say, of the koi. Who's gonna publish a book written in that language? Yeah. And also, who's going to? There's not even libraries. People don't have access yeah. to that. Who's going yeah. to store those books? Who's gonna archive those books? Yeah. Who's gonna? It's a lack sure, of like, access to funds. 
I think lack of access to funds exactly but and infrastructure yeah but you can't completely blame people for wanting to read it in English because if you write it in those languages who's going to preserve that it's also the act of preservation also takes up a lot too yeah 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 I think probably the best way that we can um, preserve the language in written word is Mm -hmm. audiobooks I think audiobooks have the like the capacity to like save many languages that's what I think okay yeah. yeah because I I still read books in Debele mm-hmm. and Zulu and it always takes me a while to go back into my flow because <laughs> 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 I read 15 English books and then I decided oh huh, this is an in- interesting title or maybe let's say for starters let's make those other books available because if I wanted yeah. to buy a, a book in Debele right now I have to wait till I go home yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like I saw one on Amazon being sold and it was like 30 pounds. Yeah, yeah. that's so on Amazon. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it was the one and only as well. There's there was a lack of choices there. Yeah. Um yeah. and back to that whole thing of like who's gonna publish the books? My mom's mm-hmm. friend, her dad, he's he's he he wrote all the textbooks, the 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 Ndebele textbooks that we wrote in them. He writes novels, he's sitting on novels right now and they're not being published. Mm, yeah, and yeah. a lot and a lot of people, black people who African people who write even in English don't just don't get published. Yeah. So imagine yeah. those people and then people are writing in their original language. Yeah, yeah. I remember that that, that podcast you sent to me actually. Um there's a, a the woman sort of alludes to the fact that um she was told that her story was too um too different, too African. And stuff like that, she couldn't publish it. No one would publish because they're like, who's going to read this? Yeah, yeah, so there's already that barrier. So I understand why people want to stick to English. Yeah, people have to yeah. eat. Yeah. yeah. People yeah. have to eat. So, yeah. And people, yeah. Yeah. So, Sika, what would you give this book out of five? Um, I think four stars to 4.5 stars out of five. Mm. Um, maybe I'm a little bit biased as well because mm. obviously this is um a, a, a book from my home girl. <laughs> um, but maybe also because like I rarely um read literature that close from home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, best case I can name like a few South African authors that I've read from um, books that are in English, books that have won prizes as well. Yeah, I can name a few, but not many. Mm-hmm. And mm. this one, the fact that like this one is well known, um, probably colored my, my, my opinion. But also okay. to be fair to her as an author, I think she did a damn good job. I think she did I a think damn so. good job. Yeah, yeah. Like yes. the way she got mm-hmm. me hooked from the beginning the way I felt so many complex emotions. Maybe it's because like it's a it's a it's a history that's so close to me. Maybe that's why I felt that way. But I do think that like she she did the book she, she did the story justice. Yeah. She did the characters justice. Yeah. And the fact that she went on the ground and she researched the book yeah. in the process of writing it. I can only imagine how she felt yeah when she was writing that book. Yeah, because yeah. probably she that's had probably- some close family that were like yeah. in like had some experiences around that thing as well. Yeah. So it's probably why a... she hasn't written anything too in a while. She's taking a break. <laughs> She's recovering. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would need a long time to recover after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. She can take all the time she needs. She can give us something equally as good, if not better. Like, we 100% welcome it. Um, I'm really excited, to be fair, to, like, see what else she comes up with. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. 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 So how what, what, what would you rate it then? Um, I think I'd give it a solid four okay um because I thought it was it was very well executed and the fact that it's a debut novel it just blew my mind because her writing style is very distinct yeah and the way she narrated the story was very ambitious there were many times where it could have been a bit it could have gone a bit left and a bit bad but she maintained it really well yeah um, yeah it would have t- there were points where she could have like near misses yeah yeah there yeah. were points yeah yeah um, the only reason why I wouldn't give it um 4.5 or higher yeah is just because 
I thought some of the plot twists were a bit, it ended up being predictable and it, okay. lost, it kind of yeah. lost its effects towards the end. Mm. Um, I also thought sometimes with the timelines, it got a bit skewed. Oh, okay. Um, it was kind of hard to remember what timeline am I in right now? Or like, oh, okay. In a way which wasn't so clear or distinct or obvious. Yeah. Um, I guess that's part of the art of showing how the history continues. Like, history is not linear, history yeah. continues yeah. at more sort of points. It just, yeah, it doesn't happen. Nothing's ever just in the past, it happens in the now, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in the future. So, yeah. Um, I guess I didn't I like the way want- she was. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Now, what were you gonna say? I I didn't like the way um it used to jump from like Zamani speaking to Abedniko speaking because like sometimes I'd read and I think Zamani was talking about his Tandi, and then yeah. other times I'd read and like is this Abedniko's point of view or is it is it Zamani? Like I'm really confused. Why is Zamani saying he loves Tandi? Or yeah. my inner Murata, you know, like I, I, yeah, I, exactly. Yeah, yeah like I, I was confused that that I, I suppose maybe that's one thing that I didn't like that's stopping me from giving it five thousand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So at some points, like it felt so ambitious that it just got a bit too much. Yeah, and she could have just stripped it back a little bit. Yeah, um, but other than that, there's not really much to say because it's an amazing debut novel. Like I've yeah. read other debut novels which are just completely forgettable, so she just did an amazing job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course, take all the time you need, girl. Like, yeah, literally, yeah, yeah. I think writing about trauma, especially like trauma, tra- trauma on its own is traumatizing. Yeah, to write a book about yeah. trauma, of course, she's probably, she was probably like crying while she was writing the book. Exactly, I can't, I can't imagine <laughs> what emotional label she did for us just to read this book. Yeah, and come and say, ah, you you didn't do this justice. (laughs) Well, anyone can critique, so yeah. Yes, we're free to critique. We want her to be better, of course, don't we? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, Sika, what are you currently reading? So, uh, I am reading The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Okay, what do you think about it so far? Um, I was quite surprised at how easy the book was to read. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I thought it would be complex or hard to read mm-hmm. or hard to get into the storyline. I like the fact that it's easy. to. I read the first 10 chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't gotten to quite understand Evelyn herself, but I don't mm-hmm. think I like her very much at the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if she's a likable character or I'm supposed to like her. Mm-hmm. In the sense that, like, does the author want you to like Evelyn? Um, but I don't. I'm not getting that sense here. And I, I've I've done this peculiar thing. This it may be not peculiar, but like this weird thing of associating um, Evelyn in my head because she's an old woman who was once like the it girl um, to Serena's grandmother in Gossip Girl. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it always comes back to Gossip Girl somehow. <laughs> <laughs> that's who, like, that's the face I'm sort of, like, attached to, like, her face, yeah, you know? Because, like, yeah. Yeah, and it's also set, like, on the Upper East Side in some instances. So, obviously, yeah. it had to draw yeah. some, some inspiration from Gossip Girl. Um, <laughs> but I do like the writer's writing style. I wasn't sure about it at the beginning. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. It's a very um, easy read, very digestible. Yeah, like just takes you away. I felt like maybe you did need something easy after House of Stone. You don't need anything heavy. Just need something light and a bit, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do like the fact that like the characters do kind of have depth already. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're formidable. They've got like dimension. Yeah. They're not just plain, um, women in the showbiz Mm -hmm. industry. They've got some character, you know, like there's the story of Evelyn and like where she came from, how she yeah. got to like Hollywood and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying. I'm 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 not gonna judge it too much. Um, yeah. I'm just gonna take it as I go. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, at the moment, I've just finished reading A Certain Hunger by Chelsea or Chelsea oh, okay. Summers. And I also finished reading Luster by Raven Leilani. Oh, okay. But I will talk about that one at a later date. But um, A Certain Hunger was really good. And yeah. I really enjoyed that. 
And right now I am currently reading Her Body and Other Parties by Carmen Maria Machado. Okay. She also wrote in the in the Dream House. Yeah, um, I was literally just about to say you just finished your Dream yeah. House by Carmen yeah. Maria Machado. Yeah, I really yeah. wanted to read her uh, some more of her work because I love the way she writes. Yeah. So I'm currently reading that at the moment and it's going well. I've only read like I don't know, 27 pages, something like that so far. Oh, okay. So, okay, that's yeah, still quite still, a bit, yeah. Yeah, still quite that's early on. But yeah. Yeah, hmm. hopefully it should be as good as everyone says it is. Yeah. Um yeah. do you have like any interesting books that you have lined up that you want to read? Um I read I have like I always have loads that I want to read. I I'm going to read Octavia Butler's book Kindred. Oh, okay. Parable of the Sower. I haven't read that yet. And I was I feel looking like at Parable like, of the Sower on Amazon the other day. I really, I think it's Parable of the Sower. Yeah, <laughs> we should read it definitely. Um, yeah. So I really want to read that next. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not really much book updates at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you gave me Vanishing Half as well, and yeah. um, your review of it made me want to read it. So it's that good. might be coming up next. I've got a, 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 a um, I've set aside like sort of like five books um mm. that I want to like focus on and and then mm. get through yeah. um yeah I think I'll, I'll, I'll like probably browse like whiz through um the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo yeah and, it's quite and, a quick easy read yeah yeah oh god the other day I was making tea in the morning I was just reading it I was like oh I need to put it down now yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you guys for listening um, you can find us um, on our Instagram at Express Yourself Your Shelf Podcast and on TikTok at Express Your Shelf Podcast. Bye. Bye, guys.